0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Nobody's Perfect, a place to figure out the mistakes people are making in the world of employment, or at least realize that things don't always go as planned, or how you want them to. But the key, of course, is always to learn one way or another. For localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we're going to look into an aspect of unemployment that is a little different. Some research and overall perceptions, including those from a handful of experts, indicate there may be a bias against unemployed Americans, at least when employers are looking to hire. I'm glad to have PhD Matthew Bidwell join me once again from the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Matthew, thank you once again for coming on with us.
1: No problem, always a pleasure.
0: First of all, obviously it's a it's a different sort of subject, a little bit touchy, a little sensitive and and for myself as I mentioned to you, I was unemployed for a period of time, so uh, you know, it does kind of come from a personal side as well. Obviously, it's fair to think that many employers are going to prefer to hire people that are already employed versus the unemployed, but what would you say it is exactly that actually scares employers away from those unemployed people?
1: Maybe I should start with a blanket. Apologies to all the people I'm going to accidentally offend over (laughs) the next 20 minutes. Um, No problem. No problem. There are two pieces to it. The first piece is what economists delightfully call the lemons problem. I think some of the early work on this was done about people trying to sell secondhand cars. Okay. Um, And there was this concern, if nobody else has bought this car, what's wrong with it? Right. Particularly if somebody's trying to sell it, you know, what do they know about it that I don't? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, so one concern that employers will have is if somebody's been out of work for a prolonged period of time, it suggests that a lot of other people might have looked at them and said, we're going to pass. We're, we're not going to hire this person. Mm. And so chances are they might want to do that as well. And it's probably a particular problem given the costs of finding out about somebody. So if you put yourself in the... Um, in the shoes of an employer, if you're lucky enough to have a lot of applications for your job, you can't, it's often too costly to take the time to interview everybody. And so you kind of, you do a quick screen of the resumes to kind of, you know, try and weed them down. Mm. And so, is this somebody who's been unemployed for a long time is a very easy screen to do. It's one that you might expect does bear some relationship, absolutely not a full relationship, but, but a screen that, you know, has some information there. Right. Um, and so I think it's, rash, it's, it's rational behavior by the employers. I mean, it's what people sometimes refer to as statistical discrimination hmm. in the sense that you know, it's possible if you look to all of the people who've been unemployed for a long period of time and then all of the people who've been, you know, just been made unemployed or are still in jobs, those people who've been unemployed for a longer period of time may, on average be slightly less employable. There's obviously huge diversity within that pool. There are many stars, many people you'd want to hire tomorrow if you got to know them and really found out about them. Right. But for an employer, it might be efficient just to play the averages. And so that, I think, is, is the main thing. It's kind of piggybacking off other people's selection decisions to say, you know, if nobody else has bothered to hire them, then chances are I'm going to come to the same decision. Why not save myself some time? The second issue, which I think is is even trickier, I think there may be some concern on behalf of employers, I and mean, it's certainly a concern for policymakers, that people who've been unemployed for a long period of time may find it hard to reintegrate into the workplace. Sure. Now, I don't know how legitimate a um, a concern that really is. I mean, I think. You know, for policymakers, what they experience is people stop looking after a while. Again, not not entirely irrational behavior. And there's a concern that people just get out of the habits
0: mm-hmm.
1: that make them a productive employee, that their skills might atrophy. Um, I might add to that as well, That kind of, you know, in one of these sad, vicious cycles, you know, the devastating personal and psychological consequences of being unemployed over long periods of time, it's conceivable they might take their toll and, you know, again, make it harder to reintegrate. There's a possibility that there are some of those concerns there. I'm not sure how valid they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, the big point is that it's a huge, you know, sadly, it's a huge population now that's been unemployed for for long periods of time for very different reasons, with very different skills and abilities. And so there's no one kind of, yeah you know, any statement you might choose to make about the long term unemployed is going to be wrong for huge numbers of those people. Sure. But if employers are just looking at the averages, then then these are some of the um, some of the things they're going to want to think about.
0: You know, and I do want to take a, a moment, you know, to kind of let everybody know, and I think they can tell that Matthew's trying to be careful with it because, and I appreciate you, Matthew, being on, just being able to give an honest opinion and just talk about it because it is a sensitive subject. And like you said, you you don't want to offend people out there, but, um, you know, the way we look at things here is just getting information out there and helping people understand maybe where, where the employers are coming from as well. And I think, as you mentioned, Matthew, a lot of those ideas, they make sense. They're rational. The average person understands it in a vacuum. That's exactly you know the type of thing they would think about. You you provided the the lemon car analogy. You talked about how okay they haven't been snatched up yet. Maybe that's a, a red flag, so to speak. There are obviously times that there was a legitimate reason a person is unemployed for a long period of time. It could be a health issue, a family concern. Um, maybe the company did just you know belly up and they and they just haven't got a chance to get back in the workforce. Whatever the reason. Maybe in the people you've talked with, uh, maybe research or things you've seen, is there a way for someone to express that um, legitimate reason, so to speak, that they haven't been in work? I mean, you know, resume, cover letter, that sort of thing, because that's obviously where a lot of that screening gets out, even in a cover letter. Do you express that perhaps? I mean, what's kind of your thought on that?
1: It's hard to know. Um, I mean, I think you make a good point. You know, if there are reasons that, you know, I'm thoroughly employable. I just haven't been looking for work because there have been these other things going on. So you don't want to read too much into the fact I've been out of work for a while. In many ways, it makes sense to say that. I mean, the one caveat that I would place on that is you want to make sure that a potential employer doesn't think, could this be a recurring problem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. That There is, you know, there may be some some concern. The employers are looking for this kind of ideal worker who's focused on their job and nothing else. Mm Mm-hmm focused on their career, ambitious, motivated, and so on, at least some employers. And so I think telling a story in ways that it doesn't raise question marks about, you know, how committed are you to your work and so on, that that might take some finessing.
0: Now, you did mention about, you know, employers, most employers looking for that ideal candidate. And I've talked to some people about this idea too, that part of this perhaps, and we talk about this talent shortage or deficit, is part of it maybe that it is a buyer's market. So employers can be more selective? I mean, have you come across this or is that not necessarily the case that they're more selective, but there really is some sort of disconnect? What's your uh, What's been your experience or your research with that?
1: You certainly hear those stories going around. One of my colleagues um, has done some very nice work, complaining, particularly these days, a lot of employers have these automated resume, resume screening systems or formal systems whereby you just rule out any candidate who doesn't meet your requirements. And so yeah. if a hiring manager puts in a list of, you know, of what their ideal candidate looks like, you know, it comes back saying, I'm sorry, we've gone through thousands of resumes and this person doesn't exist. It's, well, yeah, obviously the <laughs> ideal candidate doesn't exist, but it should be more, you know, which of these will we like to trade off against, but automated resume systems are not very good at making those judgment calls. And I think it may be, I mean, when you talk to, um, Recruiters, I've heard a bunch of them complain that the people that they work for, the kind of the, the managers are going to use these people, assume there are thousands of fabulous candidates out there in every line of work, and therefore it should be easy to hire
0: hmm.
1: and that for particular jobs, they're finding it very hard. Now again, I think you're right. I mean it's you can always hire somebody. The question is how much time and effort you want to put into training them, how much you um how much you're prepared to pay them, all those sorts of things. I think it's at least possible that, you know, where everybody sees the job numbers, knows this is a tough labor market, they may assume that they can get a fabulous candidate Mm -hmm. and that may make them less willing to compromise and kind of think about, okay, well, these are actually the kind of people that are available to us for the kind of amount of money we want to pay. Which of them is best rather than saying, I I can't believe that, you know, in this labor market, Mr. Fabulous or Miss Fabulous is not at our doorstep.
0: And that's, that's a little bit of what I was thinking too. And, you know, we talked to a lot of different people and they, they mentioned how, you know, training doesn't really necessarily happen, at least not on the, the broad spectrum in a lot of companies and probably because of cost and time. I mean, wouldn't that in essence be a way to find, quote unquote, find that right person where maybe they match up with a number of skills, but when you get them in there, you can actually train them and get, to, get them to that point. But kind of to your point, what you said that you want that person like right away in here ready to go would that maybe alleviate some of this perceived, you know, lack of of skill out there to to get them in and and focus on training?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a sense in which everybody's trying to piggyback off everybody else's training. Sure. But at some point that breaks down because nobody's (laughs) actually doing the training in the first place. I I saw some lovely quote from somebody about, you know, the thing that all employers worry about, you know, what if we train these people and they leave? Mm -hmm. The other question is, what if we don't train them and they stay? Uh, <laughs> Which is worse. Yeah, and people may not be paying so much attention. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is, you know, again, everybody thinks we could do this just-in-time staffing, just go out and get the right person. Sometimes it might make sense to train them, but it's, yeah again, you can imagine in your average organization, it may not be the hardest thing to justify to your boss, right? We want to spend a lot of money to train people, you know, bring people in without the skills to train them. It's like, haven't you read the newspaper? There's all this unemployment. Surely you should be able to hire experienced and train candidates.
0: Right, right. No, I mean, it does make sense. And again, I think a lot of people understand, you know, the side of the employer and and, where they're coming from with this kind of idea too. Now, if you were arguing on the side of an unemployed person or that group, so to speak, what would you present as maybe the benefits of Of targeting them. And the example I have given, because I enjoy analogies and uh, I tend to lean towards baseball because it's simple for me, but back in the early 1900s until Jackie Robinson came into Major League Baseball, African Americans weren't allowed to play. And to me, that was just foolish because you have this entire group of people where obviously there's an unbelievable amount of talent there that you're just not tapping into. And it's not exactly the same in this case, but if you have 12 million unemployed, would it make any sense as a strategy to actually target the unemployed as opposed to maybe uh, screening them out, so to speak? Does that make any sense in terms of anything you've experienced, talked with people, or am I just completely flying off the handle with that a little?
1: It makes some sense, and I think particularly again, you know, it's amazing. But you do talk to recruiters even now that talk about the problems that they're facing in filling jobs. Again, often that may be because of idiosyncratic requirements mm. they put in. Heard about one person trying to fill jobs, I think in financial services call centres, and they require people to have a certain credit rating um, hmm. in order to do it, and that makes it kind of hard for most unemployed people to get the <laughs> right. job. Yeah, you know, kind of a chicken and egg issue there. Um, so, I mean, certainly, I think thinking a little more cleverly and strategically about which requirements are preventing us from from filling these jobs is useful. I mean, I agree that. You know, this is a population where if everybody is screening them out um, and you're the person who's looking seriously through them, there may be some great people in there. So it seems like a reasonable strategy. It probably requires more work. And I think, right? yeah,
0: I think that, I mean, work and, and time and cost, pro- I mean, that's probably a lot of the prohibitive things that occur here, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really... You know, if you've got somebody who you know has been doing a great job at one of your competitors, it's a pretty easy decision to make. Mm-hmm. If there's somebody who's been out of work for a while, you're less certain about their more recent job history. You have some questions about why they're out of work for a while, and so on. You you could imagine people want to do a little bit more due diligence, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, and so I think it it is, a, and again, the thing that I have to come back to is um. We think of organizations as these, um, you know, we think of a company hiring me, but it's not a company. It's a person within that company who has a set of bosses mm-hmm. as well that they're accountable to. I do wonder if there, there are any problems as well of the kind of nobody ever got fired for, um, for buying IBM problem. <laughs> but you know, if you're the hiring manager, you also need to be able to justify your decision. Right. And I do wonder if that sometimes makes people a little risk averse inside the organization and rightly or wrongly hiring somebody who's been out of work for quite a while may be seen as a riskier decision. So that that may be another layer on the problem.
0: You brought up earlier too about the ideas that if somebody's unemployed for a period of time that their skills may deteriorate or they're just, you know, their mindset isn't into the same work of of somebody like you said that's, that's already doing the work and maybe doing it well. Some of the things I've seen, you know, suggesting people go and, and even volunteer and, um, you know, try to pick up new skills by taking classes, which again can be difficult because if you're not employed, you're you're not seen in the most positive light. And you're, if you're paying more money to go to school, all these things kind of yeah. snowball a little bit. From the employer's perspective, though, I mean, I would imagine that looks better than if there's just a gap and you have to explain that unemployment. Does that make sense for an unemployed person to just try anything to make sure they're still keeping those skills and can prove hey I've been doing something even if I haven't got hired yet for whatever reason
1: it makes a lot of sense um, I mean the other thing I think to bear in mind is that what are the statistics I think around half of all people find their jobs through personal contacts sure
0: mm-hmm.
1: those things are partly ways of maintaining your skills and you know producing new achievements to list on your resume they're also Ways to go out and meet people and people who can see you in a professional setting and and see the value you create and so on. So I think there's also value from that perspective as ways to broaden your network and get more people aware of what it is that you can do. Mm-hmm. To that point,
0: obviously, like I said, I, I went through a little bit of this myself, and uh, I think a lot of it for people as far as trying to reach out and network and and maybe tell people about their situation. There's a little bit of embarrassment. There's a little bit of even if it wasn't anything they did the fact that they don't have a a job in that way. In that same respect, does it create somewhat of this maybe self-perpetuating hopelessness and negative feelings? And, you know, the longer somebody's out, as you mentioned, kind of the psychological aspects of it, that you're not putting your best foot forward all the time. You're not necessarily, you know, pushing all the way for these jobs. Does that sort of add to this cycle? I mean, maybe from the things you've seen or heard or even talked to people?
1: It's what I've heard. I don't have much kind of direct research experience um, mm. on this, but yes, I mean, I think you can't but help to understand how difficult it is to, you know, particularly after you've been knocked back several times by employers to keep going out there and saying, you know, I, I need a job. There's a, a friend of mine who's done some research on this, particularly comparing across countries. I think there's something particular about us culture as well, but mm. we're very focused on the job you're very focused on the job and work as the kind of, you know, as a crucial source of identity, as a source of self-worth. It's also a society that's very much about personal responsibility. Sure. And so I think if you've lost your job, I think that, you know, people feel more like it's a problem with them. In other countries, you've lost your job. It's a problem with the firm. It's a problem with society that they've allowed this to happen to you. Hmm. You know, I think in the U in some senses, it it's more of a personal thing. Maybe that encourages people to try harder, but I think it also does mean that it can be a more personally devastating thing um, mm-hmm. and harder to overcome. And you know, you've got on the one hand to keep your game face on, keep going out and trying to get jobs, but if you're feeling responsible, it gets harder and harder to do. Um, and so I think it's, you know I think that's personally an extremely challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm.
0: As you mentioned earlier, it's easier for a company to look at. You know, their competitor and see this person that's excelling and you want to get them over you know to their own place of business. In a way then, I mean, can you describe maybe how this affects the the job market as a whole? Because in essence, positions aren't getting filled, quote unquote, they're just kind of being shuffled from this company to that company. I mean, is there a, a big negative impact with that or is it in some way uh, affecting the market or affecting businesses that that you would be able to
1: maybe point out a little bit? So, this kind of positions being shuffled it I mean I think that's absolutely right that you know and that's mainly what happens in a healthy job market right mm-hmm. Most of the movement is people poaching employees from one another who then have to find somebody else to fill the fill the gap it's kind of good and bad it enables companies to meet their um mean their goals hopefully workers find jobs that are decent fits for them
0: um so it's not necessarily out of the ordinary because of a higher unemployment or, or even create something like that. It, it, it kind of is what it is e- either way.
1: Yeah. I think what people are very worried about is, though, what you're saying, which is you end up with two populations, a population who's in work and other people who are filling jobs. Mm-hmm. And so mobility you know, happens from one person from one job to another and a population of people who are out of work and are pretty much excluded from work. Because without that track record, it's hard for them to, to get back into the merry-go-round, as it were. You know, and that was, I grew up in the UK in the 1980s. And like the US, we had a devastating recession in the end of the 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't have the defense build-up that the US did, <laughs> um, which sucked a lot of people back into work. The main, there was a, you know, a very rapid recovery. Without that in Europe, you had a whole population of people who were laid off in their thirties and forties, who never really ended up back in work. Hmm. Um, A lot of them ended up on kind of some form of disability or or other forms of benefits. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think there is, you know, one one of the big concerns of this recovery is making sure that we get everybody back into work, that we don't end up with this kind of group of people that persistently find it very hard to return.
0: You know, we talk about, you know, obviously costs becomes a concern and, and maybe that's a factor with, you know, salaries and whatnot. But the way I looked at it too with unemployed, especially if you're unemployed for a decent amount of time, there becomes this sort of desperation to just get a job, even if it means, you know, you're working more hours for less pay and you're not worried about the benefits as much. Is that possibly something employers could be looking at in terms of okay, yeah, I, I understand they're unemployed, but this may actually, I, I can have more talent or as much talent for less cost, kind of a, a value situation versus pure talent. Would that make any sense that maybe take some chances on people? I mean, I know you don't want to hire the wrong person because that can cost you more in the long run, but um, possibly taking a chance and, and seeing if if that person will work out versus that high price talent, so to speak, that you know, obviously it's going to cost more because they're coming from a different company or something, so to speak. I mean, would that make any sense to, to take some chances like that?
1: It makes a lot of sense. Um, the one caveat that I would put on it is, you know, basically I agree with you. The one thing that employers may sometimes think about, is if I have someone who's clearly overqualified for this position, how long are they going to stay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, particularly if there are opportunities for growth within your organization, that could work really well. But, you know there may be some concerns that this person, great, they're going to come work here now, but because it's so much below what they've been used to and what in the sense they're qualified for, they're going to be permanently looking for work, and once the economy picks up, mm-hmm. um, they're going to go elsewhere. So that 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 may be the only slight concern that employers have around that issue. Sure.
0: You now we are getting a little low on time, obviously, and, and I again, I appreciate you diving into this because it is a little tricky and touchy, and there's not a ton of research that we can base a lot of this off of, but you know, we talk about this, there's a talent shortage, so to speak, or a deficit, or, you know, companies are having trouble filling positions Yeah, we have 12 million unemployed, just some of it doesn't seem to add up. Is there any sort of solution to this issue of whether it be a bias towards the unemployed, or just finding a connection to, to make things start to roll in the right direction? Or is it just a, a factor really in a list of problems that are affecting the economy, job seekers, that sort of thing? I mean, I'm not asking for a quick fix by any means, but any, any clues, any tips into how, how we can kind of help improve a little bit here?
1: I'm not a huge believer in the talent shortage. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think that some employers experience it, but I think kind of on an economy-wide basis, we've still got. that. That's not the major problem. Um, strangely for me, I'm somewhat optimistic. We saw job growth over the last few months. Not near the level that it needs to be to really get everybody back in work, mm. but it seems to be picking up. Um, I think housing is likely to improve over the significantly over the next few um few months. We're already seeing good signs there, so hopefully, hopefully things are starting to tick over. I mean, we'll see what happens in Washington um, over the next few months could have a big impact on it. But I mean, I think there is there are some signs of optimism that just the labor market eventually will start to right itself. So I, my main suggestion is let's all keep our fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> and I think that's important. What you the things you mentioned, it's it's not just an an unemployed bias or anything like that. It's I mean there's a, a whole list of things that need to kind of go in the right direction. And um, it's not just that we're focusing. Like, this is the issue, and um, you know it's a very general conversation. But um, you know it's something I thought could at least be addressed and something I, as I said, personally went through, so I had a little perspective with it. So again, I I definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, unfortunately, that will signal the end of our time here on Nobody's Perfect. Um, for the unemployed job seekers, I expect you at least have a, a better understanding of maybe what strategies to, to look into and, and maybe increase your odds a little bit. As far as the employer's point of view, maybe a little different perspective helps on potentially... Uh, hitting up on a, some untapped group of talented individuals. Either way, the more quality information and knowledgeable opinions that we have, I, hopefully the better. Uh, again, we have Matthew Bidwell on as our guest from the Wharton School of Business. Um, thank you once again for sharing your perspective. And Matthew, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you?
1: Um, if they just Google me, I've got a website at Wharton with some of my work. And to those unemployed job seekers listening, really, the very best of luck. All
0: right. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thanks, Thanks a lot. And again, if you have any comments or suggestions, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step.